Hello, Belle Isle Church family. I hope you're doing well. I uh, just want to come and give uh, just a, a couple of words to introduce our guest speaker, uh, Will Fillingham. Before I do that, I just want to say a big thank you to each and every one of you. Uh, the Pastor Appreciation Month and uh, obviously my birthday. I want to thank you for your generosity, your kindness. It's a joy and it's an honor for me to be your pastor and I feel loved by you guys. So thank you. Today, uh, as you can tell, I'm not here, but I am here. Uh, we are on a church cruise and we have uh, close to 27 people that are uh, over in Europe. We are cruising up the Rhine River uh, through Switzerland and France and Germany and ending in the Netherlands. And so Tammy is going with me and a lot of people from the church. And uh, so we are uh, celebrating together and uh, you're, you're here today and Pastor Will Fillingham is going to do an amazing job. He is a dear friend of mine, known him for many, many years. He was my children's pastor back in Winter Park and Destiny Church days. And I'm so proud of what he and Janice uh, are doing up in Christiansburg, Virginia. Uh, he's been down so many times and he is always a blessing. He is a voice, he's a messenger, and he is an incredible friend. And I'm delighted that he's here today. He's gonna bless you. Uh, you are gonna be blessed. And uh, I'm honored to introduce to you uh, Belle Isle Community Church, my dear friend, and my hunting buddy and my fishing buddy, would you please welcome uh, Pastor Will Fillingham. Good morning. If I'm such a dear friend, why am I not in Switzerland cruising the Rhine River? I think that says something, don't you? Hey, Belle Isle, it's good to be with you guys. I flew into town uh, Friday, I leave tomorrow. And I, I like these little winter jaunts to Florida when I'm in the mountains of Virginia. Just a couple days ago, I woke up, it was 20 degrees, and, uh, which I like cold weather, but I also like today, I think. I think today's going to be a great day. And so thank you for having me. I, I don't even know how many years I've been flying down to be with you all and to minister with you all. And yes, uh, Pastor Scott is just a dear friend, a mentor, a spiritual father to me. Um, have friends here, uh, Nate Maynard's, many of you probably know, we were on staff together at that same church with Pastor Scott back in the day, and it was fun for Nate and I to connect. I think it's been a little over 12 years since we've connected, and uh, we had dinner last night, and he drove in to be here today, and some other friends uh, just moved from Idaho, so thank you again, wonderful to be here, and you guys are going through the names of God this year, right? Um, so I learned another thing, when you're called and asked to preach on the names of God, don't choose the end of the year to preach because they didn't assign me a name of God. I, I just had to find one, and I, I get a list like three weeks ago of all the names of God, and I'm, there's not many names of God left. Like, you all have preached through it. Like, I was thinking, should I make up a name like George, you know, in Aramaic? He's got a name you never heard of, and, and so I had to come up with something, and you no, know, the Lord had been uh, really stirring my heart this whole year on preaching. I wanted to preach on Abba. And I think, John, did you preach on Abba? Yeah, thanks a lot, buddy. Um, so <laughs> I couldn't preach on Abba, and, but I'm going to still tie that in. And, but I'm going to preach today on something that Jesus spoke, part of the Godhead. I am, say it with me, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man come to the Father except through me. Let's go to the text. We're going to be in the book of John today. John is where all the I am statements of Jesus are found. There's seven I am statements that Jesus makes. And, and what John's trying to do in this gospel is establish 
who God is, that God is Yahweh, God is creator. And of course, back in Exodus, we hear for the very first time that God introduces himself as I am. I I know you've had a sermon on that. I don't know which direction it went. But it's just real interesting. I want you to know this because my whole life, my whole ministry career, this year's 25 or 26 years, I've always wondered what kind of name is I am. But if you know the culture, the cultural context of the ancient Near East culture, the, 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 the cultures, the pagan cultures, not the Israelites, not the Hebrews, but the pagan cultures, they had gods that they worshiped, false gods. But they had what was known as cosmic deities or cosmic gods, and they had local deities. The cosmic deities were like, they're the bigwigs, they're the Elon Musk. Like nobody has a whole lot to do with them, right? Like they got their own things. But the local deities that people would pray to in these pagan cultures, they were the gods that took care of your basic needs. Like we need rain, our crops are failing. So you would pray to a local deity. And so when Moses is before the people, or before God, and he says, who should I tell the people who you are? And God, tell them that I am that I am. What God was saying was this. Watch this, church. God was saying, I encapsulate everything that you need in your life. I am. You look for the cosmic deity, the local deity, I am that I am. You don't have to go any longer to these deities. I am that I am. I can do it all, baby. Now, you jump up to John in the New Testament, and Jesus, seven times John records these I am statements of Jesus, and the one we're going to be on today is he's saying, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the only way that you can get to the Father. And I love this. We're going to unpack this today. You going to have fun? I want you to take notes down, follow along, because this is going to reveal some stuff about God. But we're in John, the 14th chapter, verses 1 through 7. Let me read this text to you. John 14, 1 through 7. Jesus, red letter edition, speaking. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God and believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms, and if it were not so, would I have told you that I go and prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself. Oh, I love these next words. That where I am, you may be also. Isn't that great? Jesus, wherever he's at, he wants us with him. Where I am, you may be also. Verse 4, and you know the way to where I'm going. And Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? And Jesus replied, I am. Say, I am. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you do know him, and you have seen him. Lord, unlock this word to us today. Let it be a powerful, powerful seed in our heart that takes roots as we discover the name of God through Jesus, the way, the truth, and the life, but also the name of the Father, Abba, Father. And all God's people said. Um, I want to give you a history before we unpack this. We're going to jump all the way back to Genesis. You know, in Genesis, God creates male and female, and he places them in the Garden of Eden, and they have dominion and reign over everything in the Garden of Eden. 
Uh, they don't have to toil. They don't have to work. And, and here's what Adam and Eve get to do in the Garden of Eden. I love this. They have the honor, the pleasure of spending time with Father God, Abba. Every day, they, they, just, they, they were created for relationship in the garden. The Bible says that God would come in the cool of the evening just to be with his creation. How great is that? And this is what Adam, this is all they knew. Relationship with, with the great I am. He comes to our garden in the cool of the evening. We just have relationship. But, but Satan, we know, is a fallen angel. And Satan, wrapped up in pride, wanting to exalt himself like God, he deceives Adam and Eve, you know the story, comes in as a serpent, convinces them to take of the fruit of the tree of good knowledge, which they've been instructed not to. And at the moment, the moment they took hold of the fruit, sin entered the picture. Now watch this. Father God cannot be in the presence of sin. He can't. And so his beloved creation, the, the people that he spent the cool of the evening with, he had to banish from his presence. Can, can you just see how this would, I think it just broke God's heart. My creation, but I can't, it goes against his own laws. He can't be in the presence of sin. So he has to banish his creation from the garden. And what God then created is this beautiful relationship of love and intimacy had been broken and sin separates. Now, let's fast forward. That's Genesis. Let's jump back into the New Testament. From the beginning of the Garden of Eden through eternity, God has been pursuing reconciling us back to himself. Because he's so broken that his creation was banished from his presence He's pursued reconciliation. His great love for you and I, the desire for us to be restored back to him, caused Father God to send his son Jesus to earth, that Jesus would become a man, paid the ultimate sacrifice, you know, death on the cross, the resurrection, but that atoned for us to now be back in the presence, back in relationship with the Father. Y'all still with me this morning? Sin no longer separates. In essence, it's this, it's on the screen. God had to use someone he loves so immensely to redeem the creation he loves so deeply. How's that for tension? I love my creation, I love my son. But yes, I have to sacrifice my son to redeem the creation that I love so deeply. Now, it's not just the act we're redeemed because Jesus' presence and the act he died on the cross. We play a part in this. We have to believe in him, believe he's the son of God to be restored back in relationship with the Father. It's found in all four books, all four gospel books. And that's where today's text now picks up. That's just a little background. Today's text, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. And that seems pretty straightforward, but it carries a lot of weight behind it. And what I want to do now going forward is I want to spend more time on the back half of that verse. I know we chose the great sign up there, the way, the truth, and the life. Love this, by the way. Love that. But I'm the way, the truth, and the life for what? To get back to the Father. Here's what I've learned in my Christian life, my Christian walk. This isn't a bad thing, so just track with me for a moment. I've spent a lot of time being very Jesus-centric. I've spent a lot of, and that's not bad, but... I realize all my worship goes to Jesus, all my prayers go to Jesus, I think a lot about Jesus, and Father God is kind of like, he's just in the shadow of Jesus. 
And I read this verse this year and was praying and meditating, and I thought, Jesus, as part of the Godhead, was given so that we could get back to the Father. And I realized the majority of my Christian life, I've neglected a relationship with the Father. And when I realized that, not that Jesus is bad, right? Y'all understand what I'm saying? We're all on the same page? I love Jesus. But I had not pursued a relationship with the Father. And I began to pursue the Father this year like never, ever before. Abba, Father. Can I, can I mess with your minds a little bit right now? Don't, don't walk out on me, please. Jesus did not come to die for your sins. I always love to just pause there. Jesus came to reunite you back to the Father, and your sin stood in the way. The purpose of the death and resurrection is so, sir, ma'am, you get back to Father God. Because he designed you from the point of creation to be in relationship with him, that he would come into the garden and walk in the cool of the evening with his creation. And when sin separated, there had to be an answer for sin that could only come through Jesus. And we have to begin to say, Lord, reunite my heart because you've created a way through Christ. Reunite me now back to the Father where it all began in Genesis. Do you know that just between John chapter 10 and John 17, that Jesus mentions his Father 50 times? You know that in all four gospel accounts of the life of Jesus, that he mentions his father 165 times in the gospel. And yet I always just focus on Jesus. I even this year thought, I always pray to Jesus, but Jesus told me, pray to the father in my name. And I just started rethinking how my relationship with the father is. So let's do this. I, I want to do, can we just do a little bit of theology study this morning? I'm not normally a teacher, but this is, this is really interesting. I, I, I want to present to you the doctrine of salvation. The doctrine of salvation is this, what I already spoke. Jesus died to bring you back in the relationship to the Father. Your sins were in the way of that. The objective of our salvation, uh, Bell Isle, listen, it's not to feel better in our conscience because our sins are forgiven. The, the doctrine of salvation, your sins are forgiven, but it's not to make you a better person. It's to reunite you back to the Father, because that's the way, the truth, and the life. You need Jesus, the way, the truth, and the life, the I am who handles everything we need in life to get us back into the presence of the Father. So therefore, our greatest desire in salvation, watch this, should not be based on eternal life. Although I'm, I'm grateful, if you're grateful for eternal life, say amen. But that's not, that's not our greatest pursuit of salvation is for eternal life, it's that we can be back in relationship with Father God, that, that relationship that was lost in the Garden of Eden. And the same holds true when we preach Christ to the lost. Our goal should be to teach others about the lost relationship with Father God and not try to sell others on the merits of salvation and behavioral management through Jesus. Y'all picked up what I just put down right there. We have done a great job of selling Jesus as behavioral management. We have done a great job of you need eternal life. 
I, I grew up in a little small farm town in Hardin, Montana, 3,500 people, Crow Indian Reservation. And, and we attended a little 17-member Southern Baptist church. And Brother Burl Jones was 68 years old, looked like a little bulldog, big old jowls on him. And he preached hellfire and brimstone every Sunday, every Sunday. And I remember at nine years old, answering an altar call. Sister Barbara Dare got on the piano. We went to page 187 in the church hymnal and sang, Just As I Am. Same hymn every single Sunday my whole childhood. And Brother Burl preached the message on how hot hell is and the fire of hell. And how we would stand in an eternal fire and it would lick up our legs. And our skin would literally melt off our body and down around our bones. And the intense pain that was so agonizing it would never go away. For eternity, all you would feel is pain. And he said, who wants eternal life in Jesus and goes to heaven? And my hand shot up and I ran to the altar crying. And that was the first time of many I gave my heart to Jesus. But watch this. I was scared into salvation. Nobody told me about the love of the Father. All they wanted to do is tell me you need eternal life, but I missed, for the most of my adult life, I missed a relationship with the Father who created me and wanted to walk with me daily because I was afraid of burning in hell. And so what we've done is we've sold people on the merits of eternal life and we've sold them on behavioral management that Jesus can do this and Jesus can restore your marriage and Jesus can fix your addiction and Jesus will take care of your depression, your anxiety and fill in the blank of a million other things. It's just behavioral management. But we don't introduce those people to the Father that Jesus did all that so that you could fall back in love with the Father and have that relationship with him again. Y'all understand what I'm saying? And so there's this part of our life that we have to get back to the Father and not look at Jesus just as a therapist or counselor who walks us through our daily struggles. Jesus is the way to the Father. And we can't sprinkle Jesus on little parts of our life. We say, Jesus, you are the way, the truth, and the life. Bring me to the Father. Bring me in the presence of the Father. Watch that. When we, when we preach that, I, I find that people find a greater purpose for their life than just waiting on eternity. Because if you're saved here today and you've received Christ and you're just now waiting on heaven, you're not walking with the Father. Because when you realize I'm in relationship with the Father, it, it hits different. It causes you to begin to live life on mission. Because all you want to do is connect other people to the Father. Come on, you got to come meet my, my Abba. you got to meet my dad. you got to meet my father. He walks with me. He talks with me. In the cool of the evening, I meet with the Father. Nate and I were talking last night and even this morning. He, he has a workshop and he goes out in the morning and he just sits in his workshop. And he said, it's, it's my sacred place. Why? Because it's where he meets with the Father. I was driving down this morning. I'm staying over on the coast, and I, I had an hour and 15-minute drive, and the, the presence of the Father just invaded the car I was in. I was just overcome with the Father's presence. And it causes us then to just live on mission instead of just waiting for heaven. When you find this purpose, you find 
that an unfathomable love, which has been birthed in heaven, is awaiting every child of God throughout all of humanity. Look at me, Belle Isle. This, this love is a love so great that he used his love of the Son to redeem his love of creation. Once you get a revelation of that love, you live your life on mission to help others discover the Father's love. Amen? Number two, that's doctrine of salvation. Let's talk about the doctrine of intimacy. In the book of Matthew, Sermon on the Mount, there's a great uh, chapter 7. Jesus has this great story that he talks about. He says that in the last days, many will come and say, Lord, Lord, did we not cast out demons in your name? Did we not heal the sick and raise the dead? And this is really a sad scripture. And Jesus says, depart from me, you workers of inequity, for I never knew you. That word knew in the Greek language, this is very important, so, so write this down. That word new is ginosko. Ginosko. And it means this. It connotes intimacy. It's the same, same word in the Greek when Matthew, or uh, excuse me, not Matthew, when um, um, Joseph was pledged to be married to Mary, and Mary became pregnant with child, and Matthew says, and yet Joseph knew her not because it was the virgin birth. They had not had been intimate together. And so now Jesus says, in the last days, many are going to come to me and they're going to say, Lord, we did all this for you. And he says, depart from me. You did it, but it wasn't done through intimacy. You're, you're doing it on your own. There's no intimacy in what is happening. Gnosko. And with that understanding now, we go back into John 14 when Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Watch this. He says, if you know me, you know the Father. If you have intimacy with me, then you know, Gnosko, with the Father. Look at me, church. This is why religious traditions, family paternity, being born in a Christian nation, do nothing to solve the relational chasm between us and the Father. We need the intimacy of Jesus to obtain the intimacy of the Father. And without that formula, all of our attempts are just feeble. Depart from me, I never knew you. It culminates in John 17, the high priestly prayer of Jesus. He's praying to the Father before his crucifixion. And he says this, Father, may they be one with us as you and I are one. You are being invited into this relationship, this intimate relationship between the Father and the Son. When you get saved, when you confess Christ as Lord and Savior, you are being invited into this relationship. As they are one, now you may be one with the Father. May you participate in this beloved intimacy that Father God gives to us. Are you still with me? Quickly, I'm going to wrap up. There's one more Greek word for the word no. And the Greek word is ida. There's two Greek words, gnosko and ida. Now, Thomas, when Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, no man comes to the Father except through me, Thomas says this, Lord, we do not know where you are going, how can we know the way? That word, Ida, 
And that means this, to perceive. So one word for know in the Greek means intimacy. The other word, ida, means how, Lord, we can't perceive where you're going. So we can't perceive how we're going to reach you or how we're going to get there. Are you all seeing what's going on? When we try to wrestle with our thoughts to perceive and figure out how to connect with Father God, as opposed to just stepping into the intimacy he offers, we fail to connect and meet the relationship that's already been established between the Father and the Son. I think for a lot of us, church, we spend a lot of time wondering, am I good enough for God? Am I good enough for this Christian thing? My life is always messed up. I can't stop these sins. These behaviors keep repeating themselves. I don't know how other people look at me. I'm not like him. I'm not like her. They seem to always have it together. What are you doing? You're trying to perceive yourself into a relationship with God. And you're worried about your works and your actions if they measure up and if God will accept you. You've already been invited and accepted into this relationship through the way, the truth, and the life. The relationship of love and intimacy between the Father and the Son already exists. You've been handed a first-class ticket. You got your place on the cruise ship. See what I did there? And you're just invited right into this relationship. Unlike me in Switzerland right now. And Jesus is telling his disciples, I'm going away to prepare a room for you in my father's house, but I will come back, why? So that you may be with me always. And you don't have to perceive how to get there. You just receive that invitation and you step into the father's love. How many get weary with those daily mind battles of trying to figure out if you're loved by God? Come on, we all have those racing circular thoughts. Look at me right now, every eye look at me. You were so loved by the Father. You were so loved by the Father. You have to get a revelation of that. Your sin has been atoned for. It doesn't need to continually be atoned for. The blood of Jesus has already been spilled. You're loved by the Father. You're in this relationship with He and the Son. You're one with them now. Let me end this with this great verse and see if it doesn't hit a little different. John 3.16 For God so, say it, loved the world. What was the world? It was His creation. The creation that he walked in the cool of the evening with in the garden. He so loved his creation. What did he do? He gave his only son that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. I want you to know one last thing this morning. That love that you experience when you meet Jesus, that love is not a new love. That love has been around since the beginning of eternity between the Father and the Son. You see, Belial, before the Father ever loved you, he loved his Son. And that relationship was there before Adam and Eve were ever created. And that's the love relationship that we're invited to step into. The Father wants to be back with us. The Father wants to have time.
I want to I want to give you just some takeaways, and if I have a moment, I just feel impressed to pray for some people. Um, it's in your notes, but move your faith from behavioral management to an intimate relationship with the Father. If you spend your days worried about your behaviors and whether God approves or not, He's just looking to be in relationship with you. Number two, cultivate that intimate relationship with the Father. Not through works, but through time together and prayer and conversation and listening. It's just good to listen to the Father. Meditation. One of the other I am statements in John is I am the good shepherd. Shepherd loves to be with his sheep. And lastly, when we fixate on our sins or when we fixate on other sins, other sins, hello somebody, Whenever or whether we're loved enough to make heaven, whenever we just focus on all that, we negate the relationship the Father and His love for us. You know, marriage is one of two things. It's either an expression of intimate relationship or it's a means of citizenship. One's for love, one's for opportunity. One is cherished and secure, one grants access. Do we long for heaven? Do we long for heaven to see the Father or to be granted eternal life? Is our desire for salvation to be reunited with the Father through the way, the truth, and the life? Or are we just hoping, God, I hope I live hell? I don't want to go to heaven because I'm afraid of hell. I want to go to heaven because the Father, Abba, waiting. He created a way through the way, the truth, and the life in His Son, Jesus. Would you stand with me this morning?